Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. To learn more about the program and our church, when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the Free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 36 called A Historical Narrative. Go back to Isaiah 36. And so here's this huge army. Here's this devastating war machine, Assyria. And what will he do? Will he trust God? So here's what happens. Isaiah 36, 3. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. So first he sends out some of his dignitaries, some of his leaders, to meet this field general of the king of Assyria, Shennacherib's representative. And they're going to start to dialogue. The Eliakim is the palace administrator, if you will. And he comes out now, and he's going to hear what this representative has to say for the king of Assyria. And right away, you're going to see that Rabshakeh breaks into what we might call psychological warfare. Notice what he says in verse 4. Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria. What a title. What is this confidence that you have? If you have the New King James, it says, What confidence is this in which you trust? The NIV says of his question, On what are you basing this confidence of yours? Don't you know who you're dealing with? Don't you know that there's a huge army out here? What are you basing your confidence on? What do you think is going to happen here? I say, look at verse 5. Your counsel and strength for the war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely? Or we could put it this way, in whom do you trust? Doesn't it say that something like that on the dollar of the United States? Doesn't it say that on the court walls behind the judge? What does it say again? In God we trust? You see, that's what this country was built on. And it wasn't just any God. It was the God of the Bible. In the God of the Bible, we trust. And this is the question that is going to surface for every individual, every family, and every nation. This is the key. This is what this study is about. If you want to just circle it or write it down, this is what tonight is about. In whom do you trust or on whom do you rely? Self-reliance is celebrated in our culture. And look, we're all trying to make our way and we're all trying to do well. But ultimately, this question is going to hit you at different turns of your life, at different difficult times, maybe when you can't deal with the situation. And it's going to even come up in the most major sense when you're facing your own mortality. In whom do you trust? On what have you based your confidence? And oftentimes you're going to find that unbelievers will ask you that question. Sometimes they'll ask you that. On what do you put your trust? Maybe they'll be mocking your faith. Maybe they'll be mocking the idea that you have placed faith in Jesus Christ. And this comes in the context of the psychological warfare. On whom do you rely? Who do you trust that you have rebelled, now he's speaking for the king of Assyria, against me. How dare you rebel against me? Don't you know that I'm the mighty king? Don't you know who I am? 
right? That's a human being saying that. The English Standard Version says, Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? I have found that faith is a now word. Have you? We can talk about faith from, you know, two weeks ago or two months ago or 20 years ago, but faith is a now word. God wants you to trust him now. We can, we can celebrate the stories of the past, and they're, and they're worth celebrating, but faith is now. What do you believe now? God wants you to say today, because you can't change yesterday, and you don't know what tomorrow will bring, so God says today. Now is the time. What do you trust in now? And whom do you trust or you now trust? That's the ESV. In addition, says the Apostle Paul, this is Ephesians 6.16, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the... Now, I don't think there were flaming missiles in the first century, so we'd have to say fiery arrows, but the New American Standard translates the flaming missiles of the evil one. Faith is a shield. And do you know something? Every piece of the armor of God in Ephesians 6 has been given to you to deal with how your enemy comes at you. So you must understand something. That part of spiritual warfare is that the enemy is always going to attack your faith. Always. He will always be saying, did God really say? Can you really trust that? He will always be coming at your faith. That's why you have a shield of faith with which you can extinguish how many? All of the flaming missiles of the evil one. And so in ancient warfare, they had interlocking shields. The Roman army was the, you know, they had these, it almost looked like a mini door. And that was okay because Italian guys were standing behind it and they were usually short. (laughs) Anyway, but so, but what would happen is in warfare, you would actually, you would wet your shield and they would take pitch and put it on arrows, and the armies would shoot these flaming arrows at you with pitch on it. And when it hit something, it would spatter everywhere. So you had to basically, you had to submerge your shield, or at least wet your shield, and when the arrow of the enemy came in, the pitch and the, and the fire would extinguish, and your shield would look like a flaming porcupine. That's kind of how it was. And what you wanted is all those arrows to be in your shield and not in you. So if you had a shield full of arrows, you were in good shape. That's what faith is in Paul's metaphor and his illustration. Faith is a shield. You must raise the shield of faith. Interlock it with other believers and keep pressing forward. Because if you turn around, you know what happens. You get hit. Right? And things start getting under your skin. And you wonder, what's going on with me? Well, because God's given you a shield of faith because he knows how the devil operates. He tacks your faith. So you must put on how much? The full armor of God. Interlock your shield with other believers. That's why you need fellowship. And stand and do everything you can to stand. That's why you need the Bible. That's why you need to be in church services. That's why you need to pray. Because you have an enemy that goes about as a roaring lion and he's always seeking someone to devour and sometimes what he does is he, he gets going in psychological warfare. Right? He attacks your faith. You start thinking about things and you're like, where'd that come from? What's going on with that? 
I've never felt that way. I don't know why I'm doubting that. And you go back to your sword. You go back to what you know. And so here's what he says. He's, he's in front of the, the people, have assembled. The people are on the wall. And he says, behold, this is 36.6. You rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt. They had, at least in some sense, looked to Egypt for help. On which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. And this particular field general knew that Egypt had already been defeated. And so if you lean on the staff of Egypt, you're going to get splinters. Egypt is a type of the world. And so the enemy says, okay, go ahead and lean on them if you want to, but you're going to get wounded if you do that. Have you ever done that before? You lean on Egypt for a while, you say, this should hold. And then you look at your hand and you got, aren't splinters just a pain in more ways than one to get them out? To, you know, they, you don't think that little thing would annoy you, but man, it, it, it's annoying. If you lean on the wrong things, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Are you depending on Egypt? NIV, that splintered reed of a staff? which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it, such as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. But if you say to me, okay, maybe, maybe it's not Egypt, maybe, maybe you've been listening to that, this Isaiah guy. See, we hear things, us Assyrians. If you, if you decide to say, well, maybe not Egypt, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, boy, this Rabshakeh guy is sounding kind of like he knows spiritual things. Like he knows the talk. Like he knows maybe what uh, Judah was wrestling with, whether or not they would trust God. And he says, hey, if you take this option, you say, well, trust in the Lord our God. Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah, See, he's got information. And to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar. Now, this pagan guy mistaked the smashing down of all the high, false pagan places as him removing extra places of worship for the true God. That's how pagan he was. He didn't even get it. He didn't understand that he was actually taking away idolatrous places. He just thought, oh, he's removed a bunch of sites where you can worship your God in all these different ways. He didn't really know what was going on. And what we need to understand is sometimes what happens is the enemy begins to say things to us about Bible passages. You see, the, the devil knows the Bible. He quoted it in Luke chapter 4 when he was tempting Jesus Christ. Does not the Bible say this? So sometimes we just need to be aware of how these things come our way. Now therefore, verse 8, Come make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses. And then a little jab, if you're able to, on your part, to set riders on them. Now, horses were pretty hard to come by in these days. And if somebody came to you and said, now look, either we'll take you and blow your boat out of the water, or we'll give you 2,000 Mercedes-Benz to do with whatever you want. Can you find drivers for them? I don't know how you'd be responding, but it might sound pretty cool in the moment. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And then a little jab. If you're able to, on your part, to set riders on them. Now, horses were pretty hard to come by in these days. And if somebody came to you and said, now look, either we'll take you and blow your boat out of the water, or we'll give you 2,000 Mercedes-Benz to do with whatever you want. Can you find drivers for them? I don't know how you'd be responding, but it might sound pretty cool in the moment. 2,000 Mercedes? Hold on a minute. Let me have a little meeting with our advisors here. How many did you say again? 2,000. Right? Sounds pretty good. I don't know if you can put uh, an army together. I mean, you're obviously pretty weak and it's kind of a taunt. How then you, can you repulse one official of the least of my master's servants and rely on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Look, you can't even deal with a little small part of our international army. And have I now come up without, now notice this, without the Lord's approval, verse 10, against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, whoa, go up against this land and destroy it. The Lord, hey, I don't know if you guys knew this, the Lord's actually on our side. He's been instructing us the whole way here. We're actually the ones that represent him. Heard that before? Now, it is true in one sense that God did use Assyria as a tool in his hands. But God was not on their side, and we're going to find that out in a moment. So then Eliakim and Shebna and Joah said to Rabshakeh, speak now to your servants in Aramaic. Here's what they say now. For we understand it, uh, they were speaking in Hebrew or Judean up to this point, do not speak with us in Judean, if you have the NIV it says Hebrew, but literally it's the language of Judah or Judean, in the hearing of the people who are on the wall, could you speak in the language of diplomacy because we don't want the common man to hear what you're saying to us. We'd like to have a closed door meeting, we don't want the, the people to be afraid, we We don't want them to hear your threats and what you're saying and that you're saying that God's on your side. Could you change the language? But Rabshakeh said, 12, has my master sent me only to your master and to you to speak these words and uh, not to the men who sit on the wall? Now notice this, doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Uh, No, I want them to hear because I haven't come just for you. I come to scare the whole bunch of you. I don't know if he spoke with a southern drawl, but I just saw that. It was from southern Assyria. I don't know. But anyway. And so, if you don't take our offer, uh, let me tell you a little bit about what besieging cities looks like. See, normally what we do is we hang out for a while, and we kind of try to starve you out, and you run out of food and options, and, and so pretty much what you have left is, you know, your own personal waste. How's that sound? And what's he trying to do? He wants the people to lose faith. He's trying to get them to say, hey, let's listen to Rabshakeh. He's got a cool name and things aren't looking good here, man. 
Maybe if we go with him, it'll be all right. Maybe we should just ignore Hezekiah and Eliakim and all these guys who, who may be you know, pretty much saying to us, we've got to trust in the Lord. No, 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 no. I mean, after all, what he just said doesn't sound too encouraging. I mean, this is a real test now. This guy's saying he's going to starve us out. So Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in Judean and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do you hear what I'm saying? The king's promises are empty. You see my army? You see what's going on here? Nor let Hezekiah make you trust. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 15. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord. Watch out for those people who tell you to trust in the Lord. You ever get one of those voices coming at you? Yeah, this Christianity thing's cool, but when those people start telling you to trust God for, like, everything, I mean, isn't that just becoming a little fanatical? I mean, don't you see what's going on here? Don't you see the odds here? Hezekiah's saying, trust in the Lord. The Lord will surely deliver us. Now, look, he's obviously gotten some information about how the people have been being encouraged. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. He's saying that to you. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me. Literally, you could translate this. Make a blessing with me or make a covenant of surrender. Come out to me, my friends. Come to me and eat. Each of you, his vine, you know, rather than that terrible stuff I told you you'd be eating if you defy me, hey, you can eat your vine, you can eat your fruit from the fig tree, you can drink clean water from your own cistern. Come to me, my people. Come, make a bargain, make a covenant with me. It'll be just fine. Can you hear another voice behind that voice? Yeah, it'll be good. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land. Look, when I put the rings through your nose and pull you along by the rope and take you and, you know, take you uh, to my land, you'll love it. You'll love it. See, when I take you to my land, it'll be just like your land. Yeah, you'll be a slave and all, but don't worry about that. The details, details, details. Just come away. Make a covenant. Surrender. I'll put the ring in your nose. We'll pull you along. Try not to break your flesh or anything. We'll take you to the land, a land of grain and new wine. Those are two staples in Israel. A land of bread and vineyards. It'll be great. It'll be wonderful. Come on. Now, there you are. Very low numbers, very low morale. And here's this guy with a huge army behind him. And you're on that wall. What are you going to do? Do you believe still? I, I, I believe when I go to church on Sunday, but, but there's a huge army out there, and I don't know. Beware, lest Hezekiah misleads you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. But see, there's somebody else listening right now, and you're, you're starting to get the feeling that he's not happy. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered, verse 18, his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of that place? And when have they delivered Samaria from my hand? That's the area of Israel. Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their land from my hand 
that the Lord should de- deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Hey, all the gods are alike you. I mean, we can tell. Everywhere we go, it's the same story. Our God, our God, our God. And then we, then we take the people out, and then their gods become our gods, and they're all the same. That's kind of what they felt. And they were silent. There's the people, 21. And answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was do not answer him. Don't, don't say anything. <laughs> Have you ever been with somebody? <laughs> and you say to them, let me do all the talking. Don't say anything, because when you speak, things get messed up. If we want your opinion, we'll give it to you, okay? Just nod. Then Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of Rabshakeh. They said, Oh, king, here's what he says. What are we going to do? Now you're King Hezekiah. What are you going to do? You've been listening to A Historical Narrative, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 36. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also be able to listen to Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation, Job, and many more. Again, search for and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, sometimes when we hear about the fact of faith and we we know that sometimes people will say they believe something, but we watch their lives and we're like, well, is it really real or are they just doing this to earn, uh, you know, political points or win over a certain group of people? You know, we have to have discernment and there's no doubt that we have to have discernment and know uh, who is genuine. And and it's not always easy. Even the disciples didn't realize that Judas Iscariot was the one who was going to be the betrayer. So obviously he was a really good actor, which is the essence of the word hypocrite. So what do we do? Who do we trust? Well, we trust in the Lord. Some trust in horses. This is Psalm 20, some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. It doesn't mean we can't trust people though, because there are many trustworthy people. And the way that we know who to trust is we look at track record. People do earn trust. And I think it's pretty easy when you spend time with people, you can tell who has integrity and who you can trust. So don't give up, even though you've been disappointed by people and maybe even spiritual leaders. And we would argue, of course, especially at times political leaders, but not just them. You know, it's been said everybody has feet of clay, but we trust in the Lord. And then we we use discernment to know who to trust in terms of uh, humans and, and leaders, etc. This is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are talking about some of the issues of faith and trust as we move through the book of Isaiah. The most important thing you can do is place your faith in the trustworthy one, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness. He is the great I am. He is the beginning, and he is the end. He is the one who holds this world together. He is coming again to be Lord and judge. And so I pray that you know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you don't know him yet, place your trust in him. He will not disappoint. You may not understand everything, but he will complete what he begins in you.
Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? It's something this simple, but yet so profound. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I thank you that you came into this broken world, entered into our pain, took our judgment at the cross, prayed if it's you, rose from the dead just like you said you would, and that you are interceding for your people today. Be my king, be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior. I repent of my sin, and I ask you to save me and show me your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, or maybe you've prayed it multiple times, or maybe you are rededicating your life, would you let us know? We would be blessed to know that this program has been a blessing to you. There's an email address that you can reach out to us, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, let us know how the program has been a blessing to you. That certainly encourages us and we're appreciative of it. Remember, you can partner with this ministry when you go to walkintruth.com. You can become a monthly partner or give a one-time gift. We appreciate it. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Would you consider becoming a partner for just $5 a month? We're blessed to know that the teachings reach thousands of listeners like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. We could use your help for the price of a cup of coffee. If you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teaching, or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 36 called A Historical Narrative. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.